Santa Ana Reformed, under the oversight of Reverend Danny Hyde of Oceanside United Reformed Church, is officially beginning Sunday afternoon services at 2 p.m. at Davis Elementary School's multi-purpose room in Santa Ana, California, beginning June 12th. Davis Elementary is at the foot of the downtown Orange County Santa Ana Water Tower off the 5 Freeway, right at the heart of the city, so it's very easy to find. If you'd like more information about joining, email me at santaannareformed at gmail.com, and I can send you a flyer with all this information. Let's spread the gospel to Santa Ana. See you there. Now, sometimes you may feel it doesn't taste good. <laughs> like sometimes there are going to be times when, when I preach, I have to give you warnings. And, 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 and tell you that you're sitting and actually have to tell you you're sitting every week because <laughs> I need to hear that every day. Yeah. We need the law and the gospel to remind us that we're sinners, but praise be to God, we have the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And so that reminder and that truth, wherever, wherever I'm preaching from, mm. is absolutely necessary, not only for our growth, but also to detox from all the other foods that they've been eating, thinking that that's what really will nourish them. Welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast featuring Peter Bell and Nick Fulweiler. This is a show about Christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition, delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue. Join us as we discuss how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Hello, everyone. Yet once again, it's another day of fresh grace and mercy. This is the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast where we bridge the gap to Reformed Christian Theology for your listening pleasure. And today we're excited to have Dr. Julius Kim on. He's going to be talking about preaching the gospel. And it is on our season four, the Reformed Church series, this episode. And so we're going to be talking about that first mark of a true church. And before we jump into this episode, we are going to just kind of recap some show notes that we have for you guys. Uh, there is a some information and a link to find the closest Reformed churches to your area, no matter where you live here in the United States and, and probably elsewhere. So there's some other Reformed denominations, PCA, OPC, URC, and some others that you can find under the Reformed umbrella. So find those close ones for yourself or somebody that you know. And then there's some information to contact Peter directly. So he's opening up his own church here in a few weeks in Santa Ana, California, called Santa Ana Reformed. So contact him for questions of, about that church and him. And then you can contact us uh, regarding the show and any information you want to go ask us questions or anything like that. You can find us on guiltgracepod at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter, where we have pretty frequent daily interaction and then as well as Instagram, where we post our episodes and uh, share information through the stories link. And then uh, there's information if you are interested in becoming a bridge builder, which is a group of people and organizations that financially support us. So without that, uh, without any more information, I think we will jump in and further introduce Dr. Julius Kim. Yeah, if you guys know him already if you don't he's my former professor at Westminster Seminary California where he's still a visiting professor of practical theology then took up about two years ago the new post as president of gospel coalition um, but he still lectures at a couple places he's still an associate pastor of his current church, new life but it's a pleasure to have you on and see you really again for the first time in two years thanks for coming on 
Thank you, Peter, and thank you, Nick, for this wonderful privilege. Uh, what a what a pleasure to be here with you guys. Yeah, this will be this will be. We've uh, we were talking before the show started. It's it's kind of both. Like I, I I've known you from the past, but also a lot of your lectures on preaching the gospel, whether it be at RTS or, or somewhere else. Um, a lot of people have been reaching out to us on, uh, hey, you should have this guy on, especially with season four with Reformed Church on preaching the gospel because I think people know you should do it, but they're not sure how you should do it. Um, or why it's important. So I think this is a this is a pretty big topic to to tackle, and I think, I think we got the person person for it. So yeah, first first question is before before we begin, can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your interests, and kind of what's led you to this point right now? Yeah, well, thank you guys. Um, so I, as Peter mentioned, prior to taking on this role at the Gospel Coalition, um, I taught for twenty years at Westminster Seminary, California. And, it was an incredible privilege to be a part of that that school and that seminary in, in training men and women for, for for church leadership and church ministry. And so I, I miss it a lot, actually. I miss the classroom. I miss mm -hmm. being in the classroom and being with the guys. Uh, I really felt like uh, kind of like a player coach, somebody who's just mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to do it, mm -hmm. but helping younger guys uh, who are still trying to dribble with their left and not just go to the right all the time. <laughs> and and so it's it's been a lot of fun, you know, yeah. watching and listening and we miss your jokes and, and, and your banter. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so it's it's I, I did that for a long time. And then in addition to my work at the seminary and now my work at the Gospel Coalition, I'm also an associate pastor at a local PCA church in Escondido called New Life PCA there in Escondido. I've been there about twenty two years. <laughs> Uh, wonderful to be a part of that staff and part of that church. Wonderful group of elders and and people, and um, just really thankful because in many ways my daughters are who they are. I've got two daughters. One's a about to graduate senior from Berkeley, and then a daughter who's a freshman at UCLA, and two very secular universities. Mm -hmm. And yet, because of just consistent and coherent, and also compassionate gospel preaching that they heard for twenty years from Pastor Ted Hamilton. Uh, in addition, hopefully, to a little bit of what they learned at home and mm. at their Christian school, just uh, just grateful for just mm. solid, biblical, gospel-centered preaching uh, from the pulpit, as well as just good ministry from the church. And so my girls are really a testimony to, to good gospel preaching. And so mm. really, really thankful to be a part of that church and married to my wife now for 29 years. And we live here. We still live here in Escondido because... Uh, TGC is a, a, a virtual organization. We don't have, uh, we have like a mailbox per se. Uh, we have, <laughs> mm -hmm. we I think our license for lack of better words is in Austin, Texas, but Interesting. All, all the staff is spread out all over the country and the world. So we basically do everything online. Uh, but so that, that allowed me to stay here in the area, which I'm, mm -hmm. where I'm, which I'm really grateful for. Southern California, I think, is the best place to live. <laughs> yeah, most expensive, but for sure yeah. the, the best place to live. Absolutely, yeah. So maybe um, before we jump into the next question, too. So what what's it been like, kind of that transition from seminary life, from teaching full-time, from, uh, from preaching a little bit, too, to uh, running an organization like the Gospel Coalition? So how, how's, that, how's that gone with Gospel Coalition the last few years? Was it, yeah. was it what you expected, or was it something maybe different, or, yeah, some, some stuff on that? Yeah, I suppose one can never prepare fully for a new job, even though you know a lot about it. Um, so in many ways, it's been exhilarating uh, because I'm, being, I'm able to use different muscles that I haven't used before. Mm -hmm. Like on the one hand, I think my academic muscles and my 
teaching muscles are, are pretty honed after 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, then going into an organization, especially as its leader, you, you have to have, you know, you use different types of muscles, like leadership muscles, management muscles, and uh, even, even in some sense, pastoral muscles, too, as mm -hmm. you're pastoring a staff. And, and since I haven't been using those as much, um, it really challenged me. But, uh, and so it was exhilarating because I'm using new gifts, and I think the Lord prepared me for such a time as this. But at the same time, it's been inc incredibly exhausting as well because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys know, these last couple of years have been just really hard. Yeah, uh, we've been through a global pandemic, through uh, the, to a lot of division, not only in our society and culture, but also within our churches, and it's just led to a lot of discouragement and division. That um, that at least at TGC, we we feel like we're at the tip of the spear because we actually want to talk about issues that a lot of people are talking about, mm -hmm. but also prepare church leaders to talk intelligently and honestly, and but also truthfully uh, in a timely, winsome way, and um, and it's hard. Um, when you start talking about hot topics like race, like sexuality, uh, politics, you know, we could have made it easy and just talked about just the easy things. But as an organization, we feel like that's why we exist. We want to yeah. mm -hmm. provide resources for the local church, especially the local church leader. Um, and so we may not come down hard on one particular position, mm -hmm. but offer, especially on some topics that are just hard, that are more gray. Um, we want to offer various positions and say, hey, church leader, here are some resources to help you as you're pastoring your flock, as they ask you questions about, is it okay, for example, to use a transgender pronoun? Why or why not? And so that's, that's a hard question. It's complex. It's nuanced. Um, and especially in this current culture where if you don't agree with me, I'm just going to cancel you. Mm. It's hard. And so uh, we, we've, we've experienced a lot of that, those challenges. And yet, you know, God has, I think, I think, given us, I think, a quiet, calm kind of conviction that as long as we stay true to the Word of God, we, we're based on the Word of God, and we're never going to shy away from the fact that the Word of God is trustworthy, and we're going to allow it to kind of force us where we want to go. And uh, and we stay centered on the gospel and the gospel implications to all of life, uh, but also even in our attitude and our demeanor, our posture. Yeah. Uh, so we want to make sure that our posture is is kind and, and generous and compassionate because you know at the end of the day we're all in process you know we're all in process we all need patience i know my wife reminds me of that every day so <laughs> As we don't need to make it harder mm -hmm. right we don't need to make it harder on one another by yelling at each other online yeah uh, but actually pick up the phone and say hey hey friend you know hey you wrote this about me online can we talk about this yeah. and mm. hopefully those conversations go well they don't always especially when they ignore you and don't want to talk to you ever again. <laughs> but um, so all that to say, it's been great. It's been a great two years in many ways to exercise new muscles and learn new things and work with an amazing staff yeah. and to be part of a, an organization that's I hope is making an impact for the gospel worldwide. Mm -hmm. But it's also been really hard too, because a lot of people, and you guys know, probably you guys have been talking about this probably is like, whether you're on the right or on the left, Oh yeah, you're not going to be liked by a lot of you know, people. But, absolutely. But at the end of the day, you just do your thing. You know, my focus is always on the local church, and yeah, you know, if that's if we're doing that well, you know, I'm not I'm not too concerned. Yeah, and oh, usually we usually we don't fall on either camp when we're just talking about on our show just the gospel. Yeah, and and <laughs> Jesus, and we'll people get, don't we'll know where we fall. Both sides for for not falling on a side. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we, we, yeah, in a very, very, very small way, we, we kind of see that tension. Uh, it's hard. Yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine what it's like kind of being 
warn the public with some of this stuff. Um, but going going back to some of your your teaching, your lecturing at, at West Cal, where I'm a student uh, about to be alumni, which is which is weird to say. Um, but you taught preachers to, to preach, and you've also preached yourself. You've spoken at numerous conferences about this topic, uh, about the task and call of the preacher. So we always like definitions here. What is preaching? Yeah, that's a great, great question. I think for your audience, especially for your your broad audience who's kind yeah. of getting used to the Reformed faith or getting to know the Reformed faith better and, and that particular tradition, um, I think what I would say is instead of a definition, let me give you an image. Um, and that might be helpful because preaching is really a proclamation of God's word. That's the simplest way of putting it, right? It's it's proclaiming God's word. And so what does that mean? Well, we don't really use even the word proclaiming that much anyway, a lot of times in our vocabulary and our vernacular. Yeah. And so one way to do it is to think about uh, the first in the first century, there were these specific uh, uh, like people who would represent their king and go to different kings and different kingdoms representing them. They were called heralds. Hmm. Uh, again, we don't use that word a lot today. Yeah. Maybe maybe a generation ago, uh, there were these like newsboys that would go onto That's the street true. corner and say, hear ye, hear ye, or, you know, they're maybe during the medieval times. And, yeah, you'll see old time you know, videos on that stuff. Yeah. That's right. Somebody would yell out, hear ye, hear ye, or, hear ye a message of the king that hmm. will impact you, right? And essentially, that's, I think, what a preacher is. A preacher hmm. is a herald representing their king. So they're not even making up their own message. Basically, the king has something to say to his people. And in fact, our king, the King Jesus, right? And our God, our triune God has given us his message in the word of God. It's been, it's been put into a canon. And our job essentially is to, is to understand what the king has said, to understand it really well. And that's why Peter goes to seminary and becomes a master of divinity, right? So he learns all, he gets <laughs> no, all the tools. Like, yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> you, you are less and less like a master as you go through your program. That means we did a good job because you, you absolutely did. Yeah. <laughs> because the more you encounter God's word and God's work, both, the more humbled you are and oh, yeah. the more you need his spirit to help you. But essentially, God's given us his message. It's his word of God. And now as his heralds, we have to now get trained because not anybody can herald. Only those that the king chooses, only those that the king appoints and affirms through his officers, and we call that the church, right? Mm -hmm. So the church needs to affirm who can actually herald it because you need to be trained to do that. Not anybody can do that. And then you go out and the king says, tell my people this, mm -hmm. that I've just, I've just won the victory over our greatest enemy. And from now on, if you follow me, your life will be different. Don't continue to be fearful about this other, this, this other king mm -hmm. that seems to just what's that's bent on destroying us and this kingdom. I've, I've wiped him out once and for all. And so now our call is just to do that. Every week, week in and week out, the Lord gives us a different message to declare, to proclaim, to herald to his people and say, hear ye, hear ye. Your king has some good news for you. Mm. He has conquered sin and death. Mm -hmm. And now he's given us victory over that. Now, what does that mean? Let's bow the knee to this king, because now the king also gives us directions on how to live and how to treat one another and live in such a way that even though this is not our final home, one of these days you're actually going to live in the mansion with him. Mm. And that's going to be very different and glorious and sit at his table, etc. So here, this week, to help you get through this week, I want to tell you for this literally just 35 to, to 45 minutes, 
I'm going to tell you a message that hopefully will change your life. And I, and I think that's one of the best ways for me to try to explain to folks kind of new to the idea of a reformed view of preaching, mm-hmm. that it's not something we make up. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I try to come up with clever ways to persuade you to act better. Now, being moral is not a bad thing. We all want to be moral people, to be good people. But it's more than just that, right? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, none of us can be good enough. We yep. all know that as soon as we leave church on Sunday, yep. someone cuts us off on the road and we start yelling at that person and not acting very Christ-like. And mm-hmm. so for me, preaching essentially is that heralding. It's the heralding of God's inerrant and infallible word to God's people for them to respond in obedience, in trust and obedience. Mm-hmm. And so preaching is essentially that, is heralding the king's message to the king's people so that they would respond in trust and obedience. Mm-hmm. Love it. And, yeah. and and biblically, you have beautiful feet because you bring the <laughs> good news. Right. Although That's like, exactly physically, right. we may not have beautiful feet. I, I, <laughs> my, my wife would say very much otherwise, keep your shoes on. But no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, and you're you're shepherding your flock too. You're you're preaching the gospel, like you said, herald the good news from the king, and you're also taking care of his flock. And I love the way you explained it because when we think of preachers for our Christian church, our faith, you're bringing out the good, true news of the Bible and preaching the good, true news of the Bible that is very countercultural in a lot of ways. And, and I think a lot of non-Christians, the secular side, the, the, the ones that there's other people are preaching a message and trying to say it's their, their truth. But really, we could say... Christian preachers going off the Bible are preaching the objective truth. That's exactly right. And that was such a big, that was an important distinction to make, especially at at a turning point in history called the Protestant Reformation. And I know you guys have been talking about the marks of the church and things Mm -hmm. like that. But I think for a lot of your listeners, this might be helpful, is that a key distinction that the reformers made in the 16th century, contra the Roman Catholic Church, was this idea of the nature of truth and where we can find certainty. And I think a lot, especially in the Roman Catholic Church, they basically say, we're preaching the truth because of this apostolic office called the Pope or this papacy. So as long as we have the Pope, we have the handle on truth. And the reformers said, actually, no. Our our basis is not the apostolic office, but the apostolic truth. It's actually what the apostles themselves said way before, centuries before the Pope ever came around. We actually have this body of literature called the Bible, the Word of God, that was collected and it's true based on the Spirit, etc. We're basing our message on the true Word, not on this so-called office called the Pope. Now, we have different kinds of Popes now in the 21st century. We may not call it that, but we have a lot of other authority figures in our lives. Some people think of Wikipedia as their authority, or social media, or whatever they can find, or ultimately themselves, right? Mm. This kind of expressive individualism that basically said, I'm the final arbiter of truth, no matter what people say. So even when I go to church, I'm just going to take that as good recommendations or your advice. Mm. And that's not what a herald does. A herald is not giving advice. The herald <laughs> is not giving recommendations. It's saying, no, your king is king over all the world. He created the world and everything in it. And he has a message and it's true. And my job is to just declare this truth to you. And ultimately, it has it will do two things. It'll either bless you or it'll curse you. 
If you if you trust and obey, it'll bless you. If you don't, it actually curses you because the word does not come back void. Yeah. And so I think I think as preachers, we need to understand it. This is kind of freeing, right? Because as preachers, it's not really about us. Mm-hmm. It's really we we're just there to declare faithfully the true word of God as it's been handed down to us. And I think this is where the Reformed tradition is so helpful in making some of these distinctions. And it doesn't come out of nowhere. It actually came out of discussions and arguments from the Protestant Reformation, where the the, the religious, the major religious uh, people of the day were the, was the Catholic Church. And they were saying something that went against the scriptures. And so it's like, no, the scriptures alone is the final arbiter of truth, not the scriptures plus the church led by the Pope. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you're saying there, Nick, is so important because these heralds are declaring the truth, not just their advi- their ideas, their advice, or, or go- even if it might be good. There are a lot of preachers out there that have generally good things to say, but it, <laughs> yeah. it's not from the word of God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. And before my question real quick, <clears throat> something that I wanted to bring out that I really liked about, because I've li- been listening to your lectures for a while you had no idea who I was, but I knew who you were for a while. And and something I really love that you've been mentioned is like when you're talking about preaching, um, tension to redemption, right? So when preaching the gospel to create a sense of urgency from the drama to the salvation, I really thought that made it not even – I'm not a preacher – but just doing this show and just understanding the scope of redemptive history in the Bible, that's helped me personally. Seeing the, the law gospel distinction and the works, uh, covenant of works and the covenant of grace. So I appreciate that. Um, question for, for me is, uh, so this series that we're going through, I'm talking about the Reformed Church. And so last week, we generally talked about the three marks of a true church, starting with um, the preaching of the word, obviously. So according to the Belgic Confession and the Westminster Standards, why is preaching the primary, the number one of the three marks of the church? Yeah, because I, I'd say the simplest way to say that, and I, I'm assuming that many of our listeners already talked about the three major marks of the church as it was kind of articulated in the Reformation period. Yeah, that was last week. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, about you know, the faithful preaching of the word, yep. the faithful administration of the sacraments and the right use of discipline. And what binds all those three together is essentially a submission to the word of God as being true, right? And that's really what we're all about. We're a word-based religion. Mm-hmm. Christianity is a word-based religion and submission to that word is such an important uh, part of that. And so I think the reformers over and against this kind of dual authority nature of Scripture plus the church being the authority. Yeah. Reformers said, no, sola scriptura, scripture alone is the authority. So, and if scripture is the primary way in which God speaks to his people, he didn't give us multiple Bibles. He didn't mm-hmm. give us multiple revelations. Yeah. He actually gave us one primary revelation that is his word of God, the word itself. So if, if the word is the primary way he communicates to his people helping them grow in grace by his spirit, of course, then preaching has to be, that is faithful preaching has to be present to be a faithful church because Mm -hmm. faithful preaching is the primary way in which God proclaims his desire and will to his people. And again, it's that herald idea. The king Mm -hmm. doesn't go out. Maybe there was a time and place when the king 
used to go out and preach and teach. And <laughs> one way to talk about that is, is the way in the Old Testament, he did that through prophets, through visions, etc. That's how mm -hmm. he revealed himself to his people through his prophets. And then when Jesus came, the incarnate word, the true word, he actually lived among his people, taught his people. But then when Jesus went to heaven, sat at the right hand of God, and gave us all of this, which is called the Bible, now we know that the primary ordinary way in which God speaks to his people is through his word. How does he do that? Well, the scriptures tell us that it's done through his heralds. How beautiful are the feet of those who, you know, Nick, you mentioned that beautiful verse that Paul picks up on in Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, Paul again reminds us of the importance of the preacher and that how can they believe if they have not heard? How will they hear if there's no preacher? And then I'll take it one step further. And how can they preach without the word of God? being given to them. And so I think the reformers understood that, those ideas, and basically said, you know what, to be a true church, you need to have this primary mark, this distinguishing characteristic, namely, that the faithful preaching of the word must happen week in and week out. Because ultimately says, we submit ourselves to the authority and truthfulness of God's word. Yeah, maybe to drive it in and move a little bit further, if you can let me kind of touch on this a little bit. But um, if we switch the marks, we said, oh, the sacraments are the are the first mark, and then preaching, which is you're kind of getting into Catholic territory or kind of like sacramental territory where that becomes yeah. primary. Although those are important, they're built off the preaching. They don't build to the preaching in the sense that they're on uh, above the preaching. Is that that's exactly right? right. That's exactly right. That's really helpful, too. And that's why sometimes in our Reformed churches, you'll have preaching every Sunday, but sometimes you may not do the sacraments every week. Mm. And that's always been up for discussion, right? I personally like weekly supper. Mm -hmm. I, I personally like that, but I don't think yeah. it's mandated in Scripture to be such. But yeah. I believe Scripture does mandate preaching of the word every Sunday because that's the primary means yeah. or the way in which God gives grace to his people. Yep. Now, God also gives grace. We could talk. I don't know if you guys have talked about the means of grace or that idea. Yep. But God yeah, also yeah. gives grace through through the supper and through mm -hmm. prayer. But the primary way is always through the preaching. And that's mm -hmm. why in the Reformed tradition, there's always been such a high place for the preaching of the word for preachers. And which means there's a high place for their training. Right. Mm -hmm. Because can you imagine like just getting somebody without a medical degree? Oh, yeah, I went to medical school for one year. Why don't I take out your, you know, your carotid liver, right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're not touching me at all. <laughs> and so for me, it's like, how much more is the importance of, of, of doing surgery on the soul? Oh, yeah. Yep. And so in light of that, we need to have preachers who are well-trained, well-qualified, you know, well-tested, well, you know. So I, I think that's, what, that's why I think for a lot of your listeners, this is such an important topic because as they think about their own church or church to go to, et cetera, yeah. this is such a key element that they need to be looking for. That fellowship is good. You know, being a neighborhood church is good. Being a community of like-minded people, those are all wonderful things. But, you know, this primary mark of the church has to be on your, the top of your priority list is what, what, what should I look for in a good church is like faithful preaching of the word of God week yeah. in and week out. Yeah, just know, knowing what God's message is to us on the front end is so helpful. And knowing that Christ is in all scriptures, even, yes, even the Old Testament, and and it's foundational, biblical, and practical, as you've talked about, connecting all the scriptures to Jesus. And it's all connected to Jesus through the law, the prophets, and the writings that you've mentioned. So kind of easy question here, can you preach without preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
<laughs> yeah, I guess I guess one way to answer that is yes, because there's a lot of that happening now. <laughs> That's clearly, true. Yeah, yeah. There are so-called. There's a lot of people preaching, um, uh-huh. and I, again, I don't want to take anything away from you know a lot of our preachers. I don't think they're doing it purposely to, you know, totally. to um, yeah. yeah, to undermine people. I mean, I think they're faithfully trying to do their best based on mm-hmm. what they what they know and what they what they've learned. But yeah, one of the great things I think about uh, where I used to teach, where Peter went to school, et cetera, at mm-hmm. Westminster, is we have such a strong conviction that if the whole word of if the if our calling is to preach the whole counsel of God, that is the whole word of God, and if the whole word of God, if you look at the whole Bible actually has one central message, which is God, God's plan of redemption for all of his people, whether it's Israel or the church. There's one plan of redemption that centers on the person and work of his agent of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. Then once you actually see that the whole Bible does not fit together without Jesus, then why would we preach the Bible without Jesus? Furthermore, Nick mentioned some of the categories from, from my lectures and from my chapter. But if, if the gospel, the good news of Jesus, if if Jesus is the only way we can become a Christian and grow as a Christian, mm. it's both, right? It, a lot of people think that, oh, you only preach the gospel to become a Christian. I'm like, actually, no, you need the gospel to grow as a Christian. Or mm. another way of saying that is you don't just need Christ at the beginning of your Christian life. You need Christ throughout your Christian life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You need Christ and his good news throughout the Christian life. And so... Why would you want to give your people anything less than Jesus every week and week in and week out? So, so for me, the, the answer, of course, would be, no, I don't think you can preach without <laughs> preaching the gospel because the whole Bible is about the gospel and people cannot grow or change without the gospel. So now that's having said all that, now that's not always easy to do, right? Because I think for a lot of young preachers, they think, oh, okay, I don't really care about the text that I'm preaching, whether it's mm-hmm. the Old Testament or New. I'm just going to make sure I preach the gospel at the end. Well, well, mm. no, because as a herald, you're actually, your, your king says, okay, I want you to preach. I want you to announce to my people this week from Habakkuk chapter one. Mm-hmm. And so you go in there and like, okay, I don't really know about Habakkuk. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to yeah. preach about Jesus. Yeah. Right. And like, and the king's like, no, 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 no. You actually have to teach them about Habakkuk too. Mm. Tell them about Habakkuk. What happened at Habakkuk's day? Why was this message so important to the, to the original listeners of Habakkuk, and then connect it to the gospel mm. and to your listener. Yeah. And you have to do that hard work of the original audience, the original message, connection to Christ, and then connection to us mm. and to bridge all those gaps. And that's not easy, Mm-mm. but then don't be a herald, right? <laughs> There's a <laughs> lot of other jobs you can do. Yeah. But if you if you really want to be a herald of the king, yes, Lord, I want to sign up for this and I'll put in the hard work. I'm going to be this warrior for you, this soldier for you. And, you know, to be a special ops officer, you don't just go through basic training. You go to basic training, you have experience, then you get invited to be, you know, a SEAL. And then even in the SEAL training period, there's a lot of weeding out, as you guys know, right? And that weeding out process is because you only want the best. Hey guys, a word from one of our sponsors, RHB Books, who we just signed a couple weeks ago. We got some great Great. stuff in the works and we are excited to talk a little bit more about what they have for you. Yeah, we're so excited to have Reformation Heritage Books partner with our show. They are the largest solely confessionally reformed publisher in the world. So Peter, what are they offering our listeners? They're offering a bunch of things. So there's first is they have a family worship Bible guide. 
provides thoughts on all 1189 chapters, including searching questions, promote conversation. They also have the works of William Perkins, a 10 volume set. So huge, lots of reading. And then generally they have a lot of books out there that they sell from Crossway at lower prices than Amazon. So if you guys want to find somewhere that supports a confession reform bookseller, that's cheaper than Amazon, head over to heritagebooks.org and order a bunch of books. I love it. And you can find them on Twitter and Instagram and probably some other places. But if you follow them on Twitter, it's RHB underscore books. And then on Instagram, it's Reformation Heritage Books. Hey guys, thanks to our uh, really awesome friends at IVP, both IVP Press and then their academic imprint, IVP Academic. If you guys go to their sites and put in GGG22, you will get 30% off and free shipping on on these four series, Explanations in Theology, Studies in Christian Doctrine and Scripture, New Studies in Biblical Theology, and Essential Studies in Biblical Theology, and any book we've had from one of those two imprints on our book clubs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is the IVP Press, any book club we've done with them. And uh, for example, we did the e- we've done some of the ESBT series, and that's kind of a more of a concise version off of the NSBT series. Uh, and uh, Ben Glad has been kind of orchestrating the ESBT series. It's just phenomenal, um, very enriching and edifying. So I, I would say go ahead and try to get every single book in that series alone. Yeah. Is that so you, you get the whole set for thirty percent off with free shipping, which that's yeah. that's, a, that's, that's a pretty dime off of your your total thing. Um, but these I mean, these are volumes like in the NSPT series, like Who Shall Ascend the Mountain of Lore from Michael Morales, mm-hmm. The Dominion Dynasty, Temple and the Church's Mission. So all these like really big books that you guys know of. Uh, if you guys look through our catalog on book club and anyone that's through IVP, you guys get this off. I know Nick's really yep. been enjoying the ESPT series. I would say it's just a, it's a shorter volume. Yeah. It's, more, it's concise. more concise. Yeah. Uh, gets right to, it's a little bit more popular lay level read. Yeah. So there's like four different levels. There's one that's an easier read, a slightly more academic, a really academic and like a highly, highly academic read. So yeah. again, any one of those copies that you guys want to get any series, any portion of it, Anything that you guys want to get, 30% off and free shipping if you guys use the code GGG22. So, happy shopping. Because lives are at stake. I, to me, kind of seminary and like preparing to become a minister is part of that weeding mm-hmm. out process. And it's, it's okay if God has not called you to be, a, to be a herald, that's okay. There are a lot of other things you can do for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. But being a herald is very important So and, and hard. So, so, again, all that to say... You, you, you asked, can you preach without preaching the gospel? I would say, simple answer is no, but I made that a little bit longer. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. no, that's, no, I think that's a good distinction because I think, I mean, if, if we're being honest, and we're, not trying, we're trying not to generalize too much um, across the board, but I think generally speaking, when people preach, yeah, like it's either kind of a 35-minute lesson on whatever book it is and historical, all, all, all the stuff being good, and then it's kind of like, lock, if, if it's at the end, it's locked up at the end three to five minutes, like, oh, obligatory. It's like, oh, I have to preach the gospel from somewhere. So I might as well kind of put it at the end of this stuff. And like you said, it's incredibly hard work to do this stuff. Now, you knowing experientially, me knowing experientially um, to do this stuff on a consistent week-to-week basis from all of scripture. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it's it's what we're called to do. So maybe it may not, it may, people may not be doing this, but it's what we're supposed to be doing um, based off the yeah. word. 
that that's what I feel like my calling is, even at the Gospel Coalition, is to help church leaders understand uh, these some of these distinctions and yeah. these convictions, so that even when they're like even even for a, like sixty five percent of those on our website are actually women, and many of them are mm-hmm. women leaders in our churches, and they want to know how to teach the Bible better to women and to yeah. their children or yeah. whatever, and yeah. and and they need to understand this hermeneutic, right, or this. Yeah the science of interpreting the scriptures in this way, this kind of Christocentric gospel centered way. And, and so for me, that's a real burden of mine because, because it's so glorious, right? What, mm-hmm. what else would we rather give to our people than Jesus? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm committed my whole life to this. So. Yeah. That, this, uh, I think this tees up my next question um, pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I remember, remember hearing this for the first time in your class, uh, what was the ministry of the word and worship first semester uh, freshman year at Westminster, and we talked about the Second Helvetic Confession, which is for those who don't know, it's a 17th century confession, so it's 1600s, late 1600s. Um, but it's it's pretty stark about how it describes preaching and preaching the word. It says those who faithfully preach as if Christ Himself is is talking to His people. So, um, mm-hmm. kind of like how how is this possible? If we're in a service and we see the guy up front, it's definitely not Jesus up front there, but it's some guy up front there who's preaching this. How is it possible that Christ is preaching through this minister to his people? Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing I would say is just just make sure you don't take this like too literally. This is not <laughs> the second Helvetic Confession. Try not to be like this mystical. Yeah, yeah. Like somehow this preacher mysteriously turns into the voice of Jesus. <laughs> Thus saith my father. You know, it's not like that you know, yeah. kind of thing. I think what they're trying to articulate by saying that, like preaching, preaching the word of God is as if Christ is preaching to you, is that as heralds faithfully preach the good news from the scriptures, and if the good news is really about Jesus, it's as if Jesus is speaking to you. That's what I think what they're trying to say, mm-hmm. and it's true. It, but it's always, it's always prefaced by that, but you must be faithfully preaching the truth, right? And if the truth centers on Jesus— then might as well. So it's not unlike sometimes like my, my daughters, when they, they want to know what, whether dad wants, if, I'm trying to think of the right illustration here, but it's like almost representative, right? Yeah. We're representing Jesus. Yeah. And so the king basically says, if you represent me, King Jesus says, I want you to take a message to my people. And when the herald gets up and faithfully proclaims what Jesus said, it's as if Jesus was speaking. In fact, interestingly enough, in the first century, Whenever heralds would go from kingdom to kingdom representing their king, mm. even though they were hated by their enemies, right? Let's say a, a messenger comes forward and says, my king has these stipulations and these warnings to you. If you don't bend the knee and give us taxes, our armies will come and wipe you out. Now, mm. that's, not the, that's not a kind message to hear or a yeah. good message, but the king could never touch a messenger. Mm-hmm. In fact, if he killed the messenger... It was essentially saying war is on hmm. because he's representing the king. So meaning when the herald speaks, he's, he's as if he's the mouthpiece of the king himself. Mm. Interestingly, in the first century. And so I think the second Helvetic Confession has that same kind of idea. Hmm. When, when heralds get up to preach, it's like, hey, Jesus is speaking. We need to listen up. Hmm. This hmm. is not just advice for us to just like, hmm, let, let us weigh this. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we need to weigh whether or not it's a faithful and accurate interpretation of the scriptures, of course. Mm. But insofar as the <clears throat> preaching is faithful and accurate to the true scriptures, we need to hear it as if it's from God himself. 
And so I think that's the way the second Havad confession was trying to articulate yeah. uh, that important distinction. And so when we go to church, we have to, we're basically submitting ourselves not to this man in the pulpit, mm -hmm. but who he represents, right? He's a mouthpiece of the king. And so he's representing King Jesus at that moment. I need to be humble. I need to be a humble listener, a careful listener, you know, and, and a, a, an attentive listener. Right? <laughs> mm -hmm. That's hard to do sometimes, yep. you know, so, but those are the things we have to, I think, train ourselves to do. And I remember even when my daughters are young, you know, I didn't like to send them to children's church. Sometimes I did because it was hard for them to sit, but mm. you know, we, we train them to sit and say, you know, when they're singing and doing other things, sometimes you can be a little squirmy, but when the, when pastor Ted gets up to preach, you need to train yourself to listen carefully, to be attentive, et cetera, et cetera. And I know even as adults, that's hard to do, right? <laughs> yeah. We're only used to 140 character tweets, let alone a 35, 45 minute sermon. Yeah, yeah. But this is part of the spiritual disciplines that we need, especially if we believe God is speaking. And that's something about the Reformed Church. We, we take our worship services seriously because when, <laughs> when God calls us to worship through his officers, the, the pastors and elders, when the pastor gets up and says, hear ye, hear ye, God is calling his people to come worship. Come, let us worship and bow down. They're representing God. And so now God is present with his people on the Sabbath, on the Lord's day. And so we submit and say, yes, Lord, here we are. We want to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so there's a certain reverence and awe we need to approach worship with. That doesn't mean like drudgery and you know being all down, right? It's just a certain attitude a posture of reverence because god is now speaking and now we need to respond to him in the right way so there's something really beautiful and profound i think about this tradition that we get from the from the reformed faith that's really helpful i think especially for a lot of evangelical maybe evangelical christians who have never been brought up in that mm. it's something really beautiful that they ought to you know at least explore some more. oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah and this <clears throat> this topic this conversation just weighs on the importance of being a herald and preaching and being uh, true to the King's message. And what a verse that comes up to my mind is second Timothy four, verse three, you know, you representing what God is truly saying versus just telling people what they want to hear to tickle their ears. So there is an element of huge amount of responsibility on yours and soon to be Peter's part. Well, Peter, even currently, um, it's part, you know, that's a, that's a, it's a gift and a huge responsibility you guys have. So thank you for being true to the Bible. Um, so my question actually be, uh, why is preaching such an important part of the preacher's ministry and the call of the local church? Yeah, I, we, we've touched upon this at various parts of our conversation, but remember we guys were talking about this idea of the means of grace, yeah. right? Yeah. God is so good to us that he didn't leave us as orphans without anything to continue to feed us and grow us, right? He gives us his word that we would be nourished by it and grow in our faith, much like mm -hmm. as parents, as faithful parents, we give our children a balanced diet of, of proteins and carbohydrates and breads, et cetera, and vegetables and fruit. What we do every Sunday, that what the church does is provide all the necessary nourishment for our spiritual growth, not the only, but the mm -hmm. primary, right? The ordinary primary ways in which we grow spiritually is through God's grace. And the reformers and the scriptures talk about grace being dispensed or given to us 
in primary ways. And one of the primary ways grace is given to us for us to grow is through the preaching of the word, as well as the sacraments, as well as prayer. And so these are the things that we need, absolutely need. Otherwise, we're going to become impoverished uh, children running around without nowhere to go. But our Father's so good to us. Our Heavenly Father does is a great shepherd of his sheep. And so he gives us these under shepherds, what we call these preachers, right? We are under shepherds of the chief shepherd, and we're called to shepherd God's flock well through the church. That's the flock of God. Our local flock is the church. And so in this little flock of God, our calling as under shepherds is to nourish, to protect, to lead, to guide, all the things that we're called to do. But one of the greatest privileges and responsibilities we have is to feed our flock. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they die. And we feed our flock primarily through the ministry of the word, both public and private. And so the public ministry of the word is our preaching on Sunday, but our private ministry, right? Our private ministry of just bringing the word to God to bear upon their counseling issues, their family problems. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully as, as shepherds, we're bringing the word of God in those ways too. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just using the word for public proclamation on Sunday, but it could be a Tuesday night when someone calls a pastor, my daughter's cutting herself. Mm. she's depressed and she doesn't, she's in so much trouble. Can you come and help? And so of course we go, we meet with this teenage girl who's cutting herself and, and try to bring the, the ministry of the word to bear upon the situation, but we would never do it without our tools. And the greatest tool that we have as under shepherds is the word of God, this private ministry. So as you can see, there's the, the primacy of the word uh, is in public and private ministry. Um, it goes without saying, I would, I would think, you know, so, that's kind of how I would I would think about yeah. preaching, being part of the preacher's ministry and the call of the local church. Yeah, maybe to add a little bit of color to that before I get to my last question. Um, and this I'm kind of we're trying to channel my inner like, oh, I don't really care about preaching. It may not be that big of a part. And I kind of see as a, a pastor as more administrative or kind of a CEO type. And he's got this big vision. He's leading the church and. You know, really, Dr. Kim, it's uh, they're only preaching for 30 minutes every week. So it's it must not be that big part of a church. So how would you like my, how, my, how much you respond to somebody who says it's it's really not that big of a, a part of a pastor's call or a church's call because it's such a small part of the week? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I would say it's unfortunate that it's such a small part of the week, <laughs> uh, but it's absolutely one of the most uh -huh. important parts of the week. Right. Yeah. And what I would say is not just the preaching, but the preaching within the worship service, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why I think in the Reformed tradition, we place so much we place so much emphasis on the Lord's Day worship on Sunday. And so I'm a Sabbatarian. That's a kind of a fancy way of saying that I actually believe the Lord calls us, requires us actually, mm -hmm. to go to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why. It's actually for our own good. Mm -hmm. It's not that God is like this taskmaster that says, oh, "Okay, I need your, I need to see you once a week, so at least come to church and pay your pay your dues," kind of thing. It's like <laughs> it's quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's like this father, no, the shepherd knows us so well, and as wayward sheep, we get so distracted by other things that we think will feed us and nourish us and grow us. What we end up doing is like bad sheep. We end up eating so much trash. We end up eating things that will ultimately give us indigestion or may even kill us. And so throughout the week, we're digesting four or five hours of things on social media, for example, thinking that's where we're going to get life or that's where we're going to get nourishment. And what we do as preachers is somehow 
on a Sunday morning worship is try to compete with all that and say, mm -hmm. and keep reminding our people, hey, she, I know you like to eat this, 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 but that's all junk. And it's not only junk, some of it's actually poison. Mm -hmm. And my goal this week is to help not only detox you from all that, but also give you food that will truly nourish you. Now, sometimes you may feel it doesn't taste good. <laughs> like sometimes there are going to be times when when I preach, I have to give you warnings, and 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 tell you that you're sinning, and actually I have to tell you you're sinning every week because <laughs> I need to hear that every day. Yeah, we need the law and the gospel to remind us that we're sinners. But praise be to God, we have the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And so that reminder and that truth, wherever wherever I'm preaching from, mm. is absolutely necessary not only for our growth but also to detox from all the other foods that they've been eating thinking that that's what really will nourish them. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's unfortunate that we live in a culture right now where people are being discipled in other ways beyond the primary way you ought to be discipled is through your local church, yeah. on a, primarily on a Sunday through the ministry of the word, and then throughout the week, setting aside time for discipleship and, and, and devotion to the Lord and growth. Uh, it's unfortunate, but man, can you imagine going through the week being fed all this junk and not having the opportunity to either detox mm. and then to eat good food, what would people be like? What mm. would the sheep be like, right? Malnourished, about to die, wayward, and even more susceptible to the enemies, right? To the wolves, to the lions that are out there just ready to devour them. Mm -hmm. And so as shepherds of the sheep, we need to have more compassion, but also more clarity as to our task. And saying, man, they are being bombarded by so many people peddling bad food, right? It's like it's like our kids that only want to eat ice cream every day. <laughs> and every time they walk home from school, there's this guy out in the corner just giving them free ice cream, right? Mm -hmm. Free Cheetos. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Cheetos and ice cream. <laughs> yeah. But if you eat Cheetos and ice cream every day, you're not going to look very good. Not like yeah. you guys. You guys look so good. Right? You guys are so healthy. <laughs> But you guys understand that, right? As guys yeah. who, who do CrossFit, you know, you 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 have to train your body. Similar, similarly, you have to train your soul. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. all that to say, I would just tell <clears throat> a person that thinks how important is Sunday. I'm like, my goodness, you don't even know how important it is. Yeah. It's absolutely vital. Otherwise, you can be malnourished and die. Hmm. Yeah. That's a. Uh... That's uh, and that's this kind of leads me uh, into my, my last question um, before Nick, if, it, if he has anything else, or Dr. Kim, if you want to end off on anything else too. So, for those who listen, so kind of two people in mind, kind of two groups in mind. Um, for those who are listening who are preachers, we have a, a quite a quite a few preachers who listen to us, quite a pastors or theologians, whatever they may be. Um, for they're they're listening to us, so okay, I get it. Like I know I have to preach the gospel, but it's really hard. Can, uh, can Dr. Kim give me maybe a couple pieces of practical advice hmm. uh, or point me, point me towards some resources to say, hey, these are, these are really useful to help you do this, um, preach the gospel better throughout all scripture. And then um, after that, those who are looking for preachers, those who are looking for a solid church, what should they be looking for? And if they're at a solid church, how can they be encouraging their preachers, their pastors to continue in this work? Yeah, those are two big questions. So let me see if I can remember the first one are for, yeah. is for those who are preachers yeah. hoping to grow in their yeah. skills. Either, yeah, resources or yeah. tips or anything that, to help them better do their craft. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll just use the imagery of just coaching. I remember when I was helping my daughters when they were first learning how to play basketball in junior high and how challenging it was. And 
Uh, but again, it just takes time. It takes discipline and takes helps. Has, it's always good to have other people who know how to do it a little bit better to be partnering with them. So one of the things I would do, and then I also gave them like videos to watch and things mm-hmm. to read, et cetera. So let me use that analogy to this situation. I would say first, try to pick up some books. If you haven't read some good books I'm preaching already, you know, you may want to just get that and just get some of the foundational things about Christ-centered preaching. What does it look like? Mm-hmm. How can I do it? Um, and so I would I would refer to Brian Chappell's book, Christ-centered preaching. I think that's that's solid. Um, if if I can if I can mention my own book, I think <laughs> yep, that book may be helpful. I, yeah, I don't want to be self-serving here, but I do <laughs> yeah. think it could be helpful. So maybe Brian Chappell's book and my book would be two good places to start if this is something new. This idea of Christ-centered preaching is something new. That would be a good place to start. And and then furthermore, both Brian and myself, we do have things on video. Nick and Peter, you mentioned there are there are lectures online yep. where we kind of break it down a little bit more, etc. Mm-hmm. And then maybe even go through some. You know, there are there are training things available. There are seminars. There are lecture series. There are conferences on preaching that you can also do. For example, I know that the Simeon Trust, the Prophet mm-hmm. Simeon Trust, is a preaching ministry that they go around the country and do kind of what does expository Christocentric preaching look like? They have conferences on things like that. And so I think those are ways that you can do it. But I think even locally, one of the best ways to do it is actually connect with other pastors in the area that mm-hmm. may have a little bit more experience and background in this. Yeah, Like seek out some of the reformed pastors in your area, in the PCA, OPC, and URC, and just get to, get to know them better, have coffee with them, pray with them. Not only is it good in terms of fellowship and accountability and encouragement, but you could even say, hey, would you just listen to a sermon of mine and just give me some advice on what I can do better? Yeah. Uh, so there, there are resources even around you uh, in other pastors. And rather than thinking about them as competition, mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. about them as, as, as members of a coalition. Can I say it? The gospel coalition, right? <laughs> members of a coalition yeah. centered around the gospel for like-minded goals and ministry, right? <laughs> there are plenty of unchurched people. There are plenty of unbelievers in our neighborhoods. Right. And we just want to do it better. So let's work together rather than apart. Mm. So those are some practical things I would do is get some resources, maybe go to some conferences mm. and then maybe find some pastors in your local area for your own soul. Right. Because yeah. pastoral ministry is lonely. It's mm-hmm. lonely. It's very mm. hard. And you need each other. Yeah. And even though you're not in the same denomination, that's OK. Mm. If you if you both have some solid convictional foundations, like you believe the scriptures are true inerrant and infallible and that preaching is really important for the church hey you've got a partner and you've got a friend hopefully yep. uh, for life so those are some practical things and i think uh for those who are in churches what can they do for their pastors i would say no, or like looking the, for a pastor like what's what's them to look for yeah that's that's a tough oh, one I, I i'm still a believer in like trying to go to the church within your neighborhood yeah mm-hmm. i'm one of those guys that actually believe in what i call parish ministry meaning there's something really holistic and beautiful when neighborhoods, when you have fellow believers in your neighborhoods, because then you can even be more impactful for one another and ministering to one another as fellow Christians, but also to your neighbors. Mm. And so I always say, one, number one, try to find a good Bible-believing, gospel-centered preaching church within your neighborhood in yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and so that's the first thing I would say. But you know, as we know, especially in places like Southern California, where the Reformed Church is still pretty small and a little yeah. sparse, you may have to drive a little bit. That's understandable. But again, I would look, try to find out what their convictions are about the scriptures. I think that's number one. What do they believe about the Bible? Do they believe mm-hmm. the Bible is trustworthy? 
some of the fancy words we use is inerrant and infallible, mm -hmm. uh, those kinds of convictions. I think that's really important. Yeah. You can then find out just their preaching. What, what is their approach to preaching? Is it is essentially kind of gospel centered? Do they, when they preach from the Old Testament and the New Testament, is it all really centered around Jesus? Are they being faithful to the original audience and the original context, mm -hmm. to the original reader and writer, as well as to the gospel? And mm -hmm. I talk about this in my book. Is Another way of saying that is, are they doing justice to both the human author as well as the divine author? Yep. Yep. Are they doing justice to both of those? And I think that's another thing you can do, look for, I think, in the church. And then well, it's just a vibrant community. You can sometimes you just walk into a place and you know there's a vibrant community that's being transformed by the gospel. No one's perfect, right? And, and just, we go to a church, and if you have too high of an expectation, then you're in for you're in for a surprise because guess <laughs> yeah. what? You're walking in too. Yep. <laughs> you're a messed up person, just like everybody else in that room. Yeah. So in as much as you're messed up, well, welcome. The good thing is, even though we're all messed up, we have Jesus who's not. Yeah. And so if you have if you have a church that's it's it's, it's founded on the scriptures that's really trying to preach the gospel well that's transformational in its community um i think that's really really good and so another way of saying that is you know we we talk about in our tradition kind of a confessional church i think is really important mm -hmm. because if you're if, if the church is found on a confession it means they take their tradition seriously not to be traditionalistic that's not what mm -hmm. i'm saying i'm saying they actually see these confessions as a faithful summary of what the scriptures teach. And what we've seen over church history, history is great to teach us. It's not it's not normative, but it's helpful to give us wisdom. You know, there are certain churches that have withstood the test of time. They are time-tested. Mm -hmm. And confessional churches are time-tested churches. They've been around for centuries because ultimately they're based upon the Bible, the gospel, and a transformative community life. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's just another way of saying it is, do they hold to some sort of confession? And if so, what? meaning they're probably part of a broader tradition beyond just their local body, yep. um, but they're part of something bigger than themselves, <clears throat> meaning they also have accountability and discipline, which is another mark of the church. So I know that's a lot. That's no, a that's lot good, to yeah. Do on. Yeah, but, yeah, we'll actually, we'll be putting in our show notes, like what Nick, Nick was talking about, we'll be putting in our show notes, your lectures at RTS, um, so yeah. the lectures on preaching, um, Pastor Ted's lectures at Westminster a couple <clears> weeks ago, uh, and then also, um, I was glad that you brought up, I, I figured you'd bring, bring up those uh, those uh, books. We're actually giving those away tomorrow. So this will come wow. out on Monday. Um, we're, we're friends with Zondervan, Baker, with all of them. Um, so you guys will get a kind of a preaching bundle after this. So all the books that Dr. Kim uh, recommended, plus more. So we'll, we'll call this like the, the Dr. Kim preaching bundle. Uh, yeah. yeah. So if you guys want a, a kind of good start to your preaching ministry or just learn more about it, this is, it's a good way to connect with some of this stuff. Well, and one quick thing, this will only take a second, but to piggyback on what you're saying, uh, Dr. Kim, and helping you out on some of that information that's very practical, I have three really good quotes from you that I wrote down. I love. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and they're really practical for preaching. So, um, first one, and you mentioned a couple, a few of them in, during this conversation, so I, I won't repeat those, but um, so these three I think are helpful. The more you connect the head and heart, the more you'll remember. So something very practical when preaching. And then um, the Bible makes no sense without Jesus at the center. Hmm. And then you can miss the forest when you're studying the leaves. 
Dr. Kim's like, oh, that's, those are good quotes. I wonder who they are. Yeah, yeah. Are. <laughs> yeah, those are pretty good. Did I, did I write yeah. that? <laughs> uh, no, that's that's great. So yeah, as we, as we end this time, maybe just a, a note of encouragement for um, those preaching, those who are listening to preaching as we, as we entered our time. Yeah, you know, I just want to encourage those involved in preaching and teaching ministry. I want to include those who are also teaching, right? Because whether you're a preacher... Yep. Uh, or not, you're actually teaching your children, you're teaching others in the church, and hopefully you're using the Word of God as the foundation for that. So I want to encourage everybody listening. You know, God has given you a tremendous gift uh, to be able to represent Him. Mm-hmm. And whether you're heralding to your flock at church or heralding uh, the Word of God to your family or to friends, you know, there's no other calling in which dead people come to life. Think mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. You have within you the power of resurrection life just by your words alone. There's no other ministry, no other career, no other job in which you can say, when I speak, dead people come to life. And ultimately, it's not even about you. All you are just faithfully preaching the words of life. And dead people can come to life by the power of God, not your power or your persuasion. Now, you do your best to persuade. You do your best to proclaim what the king wants you to say. But ultimately, you know, what other job out there allows you to see dead people come to life? So it's a glorious, glorious calling. And that's why for for us who preach, we're just so grateful to be a part of that life-giving ministry week in Mm. and week out. And so take heart, take heart, friends, when sometimes it seems like People, they're just preaching the dead bones, right? <laughs> no one seems to be listening. No one seems to be moving. Kids don't seem to be changing, right? Yeah. You do your part and let the Spirit do the rest. You're not the Holy Spirit. So you do your part and then allow the Holy Spirit because God promises that there will be blessing. And you just trust Him in that. And so ultimately, there's a certain freedom that comes and a, a certain joy and liberation to what we do. Is like, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I get to participate in resurrection ministry through this preaching and teaching of your word. And now let me be just patient and find peace and know that you will do things according to your own good and perfect will and timing. And so I just want to encourage those of you that sometimes feel discouraged when it doesn't seem to be working. It's like, don't worry. Mm -hmm. Just keep plugging along. Just keep plugging. Just keep swimming, right? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Mm -hmm. Do your part and the Lord will do the rest. And then one every once in a while, the Lord shows you something incredible. Some things that you shouldn't be shocked at. Like, what? <laughs> this person believes in Jesus? They, they actually, what? It's like, of course, right? But that's how sometimes our, our faith is so weak and so small. And so I just want to encourage your, your, uh, your listeners and say, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. And the Lord, let the Lord do the rest and find peace and comfort in that. Yeah, great. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's been a pleasure to see you for the first time in two years, even if it's <laughs> even if it's virtual. But yeah, this is I'm, I'm sure it's going to be an encouragement for people to, to hear this and uh, just an encouragement in general, not even just for the preaching office, but just an encouragement in general to hear some of this stuff. But yeah, <laughs> thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure. And hopefully we can uh, we can connect again soon sometime in the future. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. What a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.
Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode of our podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. And we, uh, as we've said before, we are bridging the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. So we would like to make sure this is enjoyed by others around the world. And how to best do that is rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, and you, after you rate a review, or instead of writing a review, or doing everything all at once, retweeting us on Twitter, liking us on Twitter, liking us on Instagram, following us on both of those platforms, because that actually puts in front of people's physical face this podcast, these guests, and most importantly, the gospel, the doctrines uh, that these guests are, are bringing in front of you guys. So please do that. It helps get in front of more people. Amen. And hopefully you guys are part of a local church and you're tithing. And uh, after that, after tithing, if you have any means left over, please consider donating to us to make sure our bridge is well paved and maintained and strong and sturdy. As again, we bridge the gap to reform Christian <laughs> theology. Exactly. The yeah. And you guys can find that link on anchor our official anchor website if you just go on um, our social media links it'll it'll link you to that website it's also at the bottom of these this podcast show notes if you're on this podcast a specific episode scroll all the way to the bottom of that show notes and you guys will find a link for this for three different options of donating so we hope you guys can help us bridge the gap pay for shipping get nicer stuff all for the focus of spreading the gospel further yep all for the kingdom of God. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>